everyone for another episode of according to rp on wjms media powered by black ivy media it's your girl rita pierre your host and as always i hope you guys are striving thriving and surviving in these streets so happy sunday everyone and i hope that you guys had an amazing weekend and are ready to take on this new week by storm so we are talking about breast cancer awareness today. As you guys know, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And so we have an amazing guest by the name of Vina Morris, who is the president, CEO, and founder of Afro Pink, which is an organization dedicated to raising awareness for breast cancer, particularly within our black communities. And Vina is going to help us navigate this conversation as to why breast cancer awareness is important, how we can effectively and intentionally raise awareness. And she's going to talk to us a little bit about her journey through breast cancer as a two-time breast cancer survivor. So I definitely want to um, have you guys keep it locked for this conversation because it's always important. You never know whose life you're going to save with this information. But before we get into the meat of the show, uh, this morning, it was a little weird um, recording this episode. So you know, guys, I always talk about my love for Haiti. I am a proud Haitian American. And more importantly, I love my Haitian music industry. And yesterday we received some tragic, tragic news. Um, the artist known as Mika Ben, but official name Michael Benjamin passed away yesterday in Paris, um, for those of you who, you know, know a little bit about the Haitian community, you know that Karimi was always like the biggest band, still is the biggest band, even though they're not formally together anymore. But they had a reunion tour in Paris and there was about maybe what, 17,000 plus individuals in this arena in Paris. Honestly speaking, if I had the funds, I would have been in Paris for the Karimi concert because I absolutely love Karimi. And I was excited that they got together to do this reunion tour. And so Mika Ben, um, who is a popular Haitian artist, young Haitian artist, um, was brought out to the stage to perform with them. And right after his performance, as he was exiting the stage, he collapsed, entered into cardiac arrest. They took about 20 minutes to try to revive him. They did revive him, but he died shortly thereafter. And it was crazy because um, one of my good friends, my Makume, um, she hit me up and was like, hey, you know, we've been following Karimi, you know, in Paris. And she told me what was happening literally as as it was happening with Mika Ben, because there was a lot of live tweeting going on. And she's like, he just collapsed. And I'm like, whoa. So literally there, play by play, waiting for, you know, information on the second, every second as to what was going on, um, only to hear that after he was revived, that he passed away, devastating. And you know, it's one of those things, even though you don't personally know these individuals, these artists, they have made such an impact for our community, such an impact in our lives. Um, Mika Ben was actually friends with my family members who you know are in the Haitian music industry, so it's not so far removed. Um, the connection with him and his his music, but it's just one of those things where I feel like everyone is sad. Everyone is sad because the potential, um, the the legendary, if that's a word, just you know, it's a big loss for the Haitian community. It's a big loss for the Haitian music industry, and it's just one of those things where. It makes you really think about what is life. And I think that's the piece that I want to talk about this morning a bit. You know, people die every day, um, but there are certain people who die, certain icons who die. And especially when they die at such a young age, Mika Ben died at 41 years old. 
um, it really makes you wonder, you know, what is life? The one thing that brings me solace with this whole situation is that he died doing what he loved and died doing it for the people that he loved. You know, I saw video clips of him entering the stage and you can tell that he was not well, but because of his love for his people, love for the music, love for his craft, he pushed through performed and as soon as he was done as he was walking off collapsed and died on the stage and I know that I had read reports where he was like this concert is the biggest accomplishment of his life and so to die reaching I guess what you believe your highest peak was man and so you know we get emotional when we talk about you know these these things because it's just a lot of us are literally wasting our lives. We are not living in our potential. We are not doing what we love. And we live each day with regret, a lot of us. And I know that it's hard to say, you know, do what you love, do what you love, because we live in America and it's expensive to live in America. You know, not many of us are not fortunate to have, you know, millions of dollars to just live our lives and do what we want to do. But one thing I can say is, I think we all need to reevaluate what we, you know, what life is, how we view this life and what we want out of this life. Sure, money is important. Sure, having things and having, you know, security is important. But dying in a, in a way that like you're miserable, dying, um, not being surrounded with love, not doing what you love, not being happy, living with regret is no way to live. And it's something that my mom used to say, and she still says it, um, but I'll say it in Creole because, you know, and I'll translate it. But she always used to say, then to, you know, live miserably or to, you know, just, you know, or to, to, you know, engage in, in, in things or have, having to like sell her soul or having to, to live a life that's not meant for her. And, you know, when she says, it's, I'd rather walk without underwear, right? I'd rather walk with no underwear. Essentially, like I'd rather have no possessions. I'd rather just be raw, but happy. I'd rather have nothing but this, you know, one piece of underwear or no underwear whatsoever, than to live a miserable life, than to live a life not, you know, being fulfilled, living a life that's killing you. And she used to say that with respect to, um, you know, our upbringing. Um, she'd rather us, you know, she, she, my mom sacrificed a lot for us in a sense, you know, even though I always talk about our relationship is not always the best. And my grandmother was really my my rearer my caretaker but my mom did what she needed to do in terms of being a provider and you know growing up I was very creative I'm still creative and people are like oh I wonder where she gets this creativity from but my mom allowed me to explore art and music I was a musician and I know they say once a musician always a musician but you know I don't <laughs> do music anymore but I grew up being a musician for a good portion of my life I grew up being a poet um, for a good portion of my life because of my mother. My mother loved poetry. She loved music. You know, I, I played several instruments. Um, I sang. I was in, involved in art, although I'm not the most artistic person in terms of drawing. But, you know, she made sure that she did what she needed to do to expose us to culture, to art, to music. And it wasn't easy because she was a single mother. But when she says, like she'd rather spend her last to ensure that we experienced these things um, than to have us not experience these things. So if that meant that she had not one dollar to buy underwear because she spent it on us, then that's what she'd rather do. And she'd also used to use that with respect to work because my mom was working as a CNA, um, you know, in the trenches. And so she went back to school to better herself and became a registered nurse. And again, then to live a life that's not meaningful to her. And so I feel like that mantra, um, although we could find, you know, a cleaner way maybe of saying this, but living life even if it means you have to sacrifice some of these things that really don't serve us, even if it means we have to cut people off that do not serve us, 
I would rather cut these people off. I would rather live without these, you know, these earthly possessions, these things, than to, you know, continue living a life that's not meaningful and purposeful for me. So one of the things that I know that I am wanting to do is to go full time into media. I love being an attorney and I will always be an attorney. I will always help people and do what I need to do on that front. But my purpose in life, I think, is to tell stories of others, is to highlight um, important causes, is to, you know, just engage with the public and really just use my creativity to raise awareness on important things. And, you know, it shouldn't really take the death of someone to remind us that we need to do better with our lives, but that's just how it goes, right? That's just how it goes. And so I think my call to you all today, you know, as we are talking about raising awareness for breast cancer, and you're going to hear from Vina, like again, her, her story and, and the, and, you know, just this, the reason that we need to really live life to its fullest and that we cannot take life, we cannot take people for granted. Um, I just hope that, you know, as we are, moving forward day to day, we're about to end this year of 2022, that we just take stock of our life. We do a self-evaluation and just really see like, is what we're, is what you're currently doing, creating happiness and joy within you? Um, is your job meaningful and purposeful to you? I know it's, you know, meaningful in that it's bringing you the dollars, but is that your heart's desire? Is that what brings you peace? Um, are the people that are around you, are the people that are in your circle, are they contributing to your joy? Is there really love there? Um, I think we need to really take stock and to really look at all of these things because to live life with regret, that's not a life to live life, not doing what you enjoy. That's not life to live life without love that is not life. And I just hope that you all really, really think about what, what your life means, what your purpose is. And we don't, we, we don't all know our purpose, right? Um, some of us are still on that journey to find purpose. But I think that if you were to quiet your mind a little bit, if you were to take a few minutes to just sit and think and reflect, I think that you will find your purpose. For me, I literally, you know, months ago just sat down and really took stock of what makes me joy, what makes me happy. You know, this media stuff is a lot of work and, it, you know, the reward is high in terms of creating the content that you believe will change the world. But, you know, when you start off, there is no money. But I had to take stock and I had to sit back and say, but this stuff makes me happy, even though I'm not getting paid to do it. And then I had to sit back and, and, and really figure out where did this joy come from? You know, how did I get to where I am now? And that's where my childhood came into play, where I literally was like, I was a creator for most of my life in music, in in art and poetry like that's the stuff that really made me happy thinking outside the box being a visionary you know really thinking about how my mind works and how my mind has always worked this way I've always been somebody who has like thought outside the box thought creatively always somebody who was able to see movies in my mind you know hear music from anything, windshield wipers, something falls on the floor. I, I heard music and I still hear music everywhere I go. That's been my life. Um, but you know, as you get older, we abandon a lot of these things that were part of us, right? A lot of us, we go into these technical fields and we abandon our creativity. We put music aside, we put art aside, we put poetry aside, and we become this robot that's just fixated on moving forward, um, you know, getting money, getting paid. Not that that's not important, but at the end of the day, when you die, all of those riches, all of that money, it doesn't go with you. And so, um, I don't know, I really felt it was on my heart to talk about that this morning or talk about this this morning um, as to why it's important to do what you love. And so my, you know, my goal 
in life is to get to a point where I can exclusively do what makes me happy, get paid for it, um, but live life with no regrets, go through each day with no regrets. Um, I think that is what life is really about. Um, so hopefully that resonated with somebody. Um, hope, hopefully that somebody, you know, uh, takes the charge um, and starts taking stock of their life. Uh, but with that being said, we're going to move on to the meat of the show. All right, everyone, I'm here with my very special guest, Vina Morris. Vina, please say hello. Hi, everyone. (laughs) So everyone, as you guys already know, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And, you know, we are trying to do our best to raise awareness so that everybody kind of gets an understanding, right, at least on the basic level as to what breast cancer is and how it affects particularly the Black community. And so here to really um, help guide us through this conversation is our very special guest, Vina Morris, who is a breast cancer survivor. So Vina, please tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and what you do. Sure. So Vina Morris, as she mentioned, as Rita mentioned, so I am from Chicago originally, but I lived in Brooklyn for nine and a half years and I now live in Bayonne, New Jersey. So I just moved over here last November. Um, I um, am a two-time breast cancer survivor of um, stage zero. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, But I I have an organization titled Afropink, which is a nonprofit dedicated to bringing awareness of of breast cancer within the Black community. And I started this organization because of my very lonely journey um, as, as I was going through my treatment plan, but also all of the information that I learned about breast cancer and realizing that it was lonely for a reason because people don't talk about it, one. And then two, um, we don't go to the doctor um, so we can, you know, be diagnosed as early as possible. So, and I can tell you a little bit more about that as we go through this, this today's session. So. So one of the things that, that really jump out at me every time I speak to you is this stage zero, you know, situation. I would probably say, I would go on a leap to say that most of my listeners have no idea what a state zero is and probably never thought that that was possible. In fact, last night I was talking to someone and when I mentioned stage zero, they were like, what is that? (laughs) Right. So I want to actually kind of start there, right. With the stage zero, like, what is that? Like, like, you know, I'm just trying to wrap my my brain around it. So maybe if you could help me. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. And, and believe me, I was I was just as baffled when they told me I was stage zero when I was diagnosed. I was like, what? So all I heard was breast cancer. And I thought that was the end of my life. Um, but stage zero is the earliest possible stage of cancer. It's when it's just starting. And it means that it's the most contained. It's the most treatable in terms of for, for cancers that are preventable, that, that cancers that are treatable because not all cancers um, have. Um, treatments, at least I don't know. I'm not a doctor. So let me start by saying that. But I know that stage zero is one of the most survivable stages of cancer. So it's when it's really contained, it hasn't started to spread to the tissues nearby. um, And it's really at the very beginning stages. So um, I was blessed in that. And it's very rare to find. It's usually found by accident. And for me, it was found by accident because um, I had a biopsy that was negative And I decided to just take it out because I didn't want to think about it. And when I took it out, it was stage zero, um, stage zero, um, HER positive, um, high intermediate, high and intermediate grades. It's like so many layers to how they diagnose you and how they get to the stage. Um, But I was very close to being stage one. Um, But when we caught it, it was stage zero, but it was still pretty much contained. It hadn't quite started to spread. So Mm -hmm. it is a new concept to me. Every time I say stage zero, I know people are like, what? What is that? So listen, it's it's the first stage. So there are five stages of cancer. Stage zero is the first. So that is the place that you want to be should you ever be um, diagnosed with, with, with cancer of any type. So. Okay. And so, Vina, if you could just tell us at what age were you diagnosed with stage zero? 
2019. So I was 45 or 46. Okay. 46. I was 40. And so the reason I ask is because I know offline we were having this conversation just about, you know, women getting diagnosed and, and at the various ages and that. And I don't know if this is something that's widespread, but I know at least, you know, for my insurance company, you have to be a certain age in order to even like get a breast cancer screening. Like it's not something that, you know, you can just, you know, it's not, it's not like a preventative, you know, healthcare uh, screening where you go in every year, you do your annual, they check for this, they check for that. Um, and so I really wanted to kind of get into that conversation a bit because I know a lot of women may be tuning in and they're like, oh, well, you know, I haven't had my mammogram yet. So, you know, I'll deal with that when I'm, you know, 40, when I'm 50 or whatever, you know, whatever the age is for, for, um, uh, insurance companies, right? So I want to talk about this, um, the screening process and why it's important, you know, with the work that you're doing, especially why it's important to to raise awareness for women to to get these screenings. Yeah, absolutely. Say, so first of all, let me tell you this. I, when I was, I'm going to tell everyone to do your breast cancer, um, do your, do your monthly breast self-exams, right? Because if you find something, go to the doctor immediately. I was in my 30s when I found a lump. And luckily, I had a doctor, Dr. Aisha, I'll never forget her, um, who took my, because I was hysterical. I found a lump. I'm like, oh, my God, I got breast cancer. And she's like, calm down, first of all. But, you know, she took my pain seriously. And the first thing we did, as um, she did a self-exam, she found a lump. I got a mammogram. So she she wrote the order. The order is the the direction, the prescription that they give you for the different procedures that you need to have, whether it's a test or surgery, what have you. It's called an order. She wrote the order for my mammogram. I went and had my mammogram. We came back and said, "Okay, it's not cancer. You have very dense breast tissue, and you have um, what's known as fibrocystic lumps." Because what happens is fibrocystic breast. Sorry, what happens is around my my menstrual cycle every month, I would get these lumps that would pop up. And she explained to me what that was, which puts me at um, some level of risk because my tissue was so dense was so dense that. A mammogram helps to some degree. So, so she did an ultrasound as well. So we did an ultrasound, still determined that they were just cysts that pop up. But she wanted to make sure that every year from that point forward that I got a mammogram. So I was getting mammograms every year prior to my 40s because I was under surveillance and they wanted to continue to watch the, watch my left breast, which is where it was found Um so my my point in telling you that is if you if you're doing a your monthly breast self exams and you're finding a lump or any inconsistencies in your breast something looks different go to the doctor immediately and tell them regardless of what your age is tell them that you that you found something because you don't want it to be um, too late when I should say too late you don't want to you want to get diagnosed as early as possible because the earlier you get um, the, uh, diagnosed the the, the longer the, the the better chances you have of survival, right? So you want to do what do what you can. Examine your breasts every month. It is important because the later you wait, which is the unfortunately the reason why Black women have the highest rate of dying from breast cancers because we get let we get diagnosed at later stages mm. of breast cancer, and thus we have a shorter. Um, or uh, the chances of you surviving are lower than they would be if you were diagnosed earlier, right? So go to the doctor. And if the doctor isn't taking you seriously, they tell you under 40, you listen, you need to feel, you keep advocating for yourself until you feel comfortable with the results, right? So we were talking a moment ago right. about, <laughs> we were talking a moment ago about, um, and I don't know if you want me to share that. Yeah, no, I'm, you know, I try to be as transparent as possible on this platform. <laughs> yeah, I was talking to Rita a moment ago and she said that she has a lump and they try to like, you know, dismiss her concerns. Um, but she doesn't feel comfortable. And right. I was like, the whole point of the, the whole point of this, um, the, of advocating for yourself is to keep going until you feel satisfied. Mm-hmm. If you don't feel satisfied with the results, go somewhere else until you find a doctor that's going to take you seriously. So I'm encouraging her to get that lump removed only because, and when I go into my story, I had a biopsy too. And mm-hmm. my biopsy came back benign, which was negative for breast cancer. Right. And then I had it taken out and then boom, 
guess what? It was positive, but it was positive stage zero because I said, you know, I'm not going to just wait. I don't want to just walk around with this lump. You know, right. I something, my doctor encouraged me actually, because, you know, my doctor knows I don't play. <laughs> you know, like you're going to take me serious. So I'm going to put somebody else on my care team and I'm going to talk to your boss. I worked for the hospital. So mm-hmm. it's a different story. But at the same time, I got that lump taken out. I got that lump taken out and it came back. I was very surprised. But I'm happy that I did because I would not be here today talking to you guys about the importance of doing your monthly breast self-exams, advocating for yourself, and doing other preventative healthcare services um, such as mammograms in the event that you are of age. But if you're not of age, still making sure you your doctors are, you know, taking your, con- your concerns seriously and making sure that you're having a proper test so that you can be diagnosed as soon as possible. So... Yeah, it's 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 definitely very like it's very loaded. But, you know, I appreciate our conversation because, again, I'm thinking, okay, I had this biopsy. It says negative. Then forget it. It is what it is. But Mm -hmm. this lump is like it, it almost feels like it's getting bigger, even to be honest. And I'm just like, I just don't like that this lump is still in my body. But now talking to you, it's kind of like, okay, no, I need to get this out because you're right. Like your biopsy was negative and then it turned out to be positive. And here I am, Mm -hmm. you know, in a situation where mine's is negative and I'm like, but this thing is still here. And I feel like this is, this is essentially the story of so many women who have gotten, you know, the same thing. I've gotten the biopsies. Doctor Mm -hmm. says I'm good. Never Mm -hmm. have to hear about it again. But then, you know, who knows, right. What happens in the future. So Mm-hmm. I think that this is it's really important because, the, you know, we're not learning about this anywhere else. Like I've if I did not speak to you, I mm-hmm. probably would continue to go on my way and have never known that, you know, there is like the likelihood of a, a false biopsy, you know, result. Mm-hmm. So. So if you think about it, a biopsy is going to take a sample of the tissue. It could be they got a sample of a good side. Again, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. Mm-hmm. I'm just a, a person who has, who's sharing her experience. But from my understanding is they take a little sample of it. I don't know if they take samples from around. I don't know how it works, but whatever right. tissue they took from mine was negative when it came back out. And a month later, we took it out and it was like, no, they, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready to go on vacation. And they ruined my whole vacation talking about you have breast cancer. And I'm like, say, what? I'm about to go to Spain. Like, what are you talking about? So it's terrible. But so, um, I mean, again, I always encourage people, if you can get that thing removed, get it removed because you just, you just want to have peace of mind for yourself. Right. right. Um, and so again, I, I'm happy that my doctor, and cause at first I was like, I'm getting ready to go to Spain. You want me to have surgery now? Like, can I just wait? She's like, do it. <laughs> do it, get it done. When you come, you know, get it, do it, get, and when you come back, then, you know, we'll talk about whatever. And so I got it done before I went and I got the news literally a couple of days before I left, but I didn't let that stop me. I must've went there and partied like my life was over. Right. <laughs> but, listen, <laughs> But we made the best out of it. We were in Spain. So I'm just going to say that we were in Spain. We made the best out of it. And then we came back and it was time for me to fight. So here we are. And here you are. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk a little bit about your organization, right? Because I I love what your organization stands for. Um, And again, like, you know, what we're talking about now, right? Like this, this awareness of breast cancer, but particularly, you know, for women who are under 40, who, you know, have never had a a mammogram before, who have probably never, you know, done a a self breast check before, Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, this awareness, especially for women in the, in the black community, yeah. you said something earlier that really resonated with me, you know, taking your pain seriously. A lot of I don't want to say a lot of doctors, but a lot of women have horror stories where they've went to medical professionals who do not take their pain seriously. And therefore, you know, years later, a year later, six months later, they're getting a, a end stage diagnosis. Right. And so I want to talk about the work that your organization is doing to raise this awareness, um, some of the things that you guys are actively raising money for. Like I'm particularly always excited about the mammogram screening. So just to kind of talk about the work you're doing, what the specifics are and, you know, and why. Right. Because some people might say, well, again, I'm not 40. You know, I don't have history of breast cancer in my family. So we're good. But that's not the case. So I want you to talk a little bit about that. Sure. So a couple, so Afro pink, 
We, we, so we have three main goals, right? The first one is to dispel myths. You just said something a moment ago um, um, about people saying, you know what, breast cancer is not in my family, so I'm good. That was me. I didn't believe I can get breast cancer, but because I had that, that lump that I found in my 30s, my doctor was making me go get mammograms every year mm-hmm. just to make sure. Because, But again, I still didn't believe I can get it. And so... um we want to make sure that we are dispelling myths like that. So your mother and your grandmother may not have it, or the women on your mother's side of the family may not have it. But guess what? My mother and my grandmother did not have it. My mother still doesn't have it. She's still alive and she's with me. Thank God. But I got breast cancer from my father's side of the family because we don't think about breast cancer coming through our father's side of the family. People thought to realize women on the father's side too. You got grandmothers and aunts on the father's side, right? So I got breast cancer through my father's side, um, even though um, I don't carry the BRCA genes, but there's something to the family. There's something hereditary in my genes that made me predisposed to breast cancer. So I found out from my um, my, bro- my brother took an Ancestry.com test mm-hmm. and we found that we had a long lost aunt. <laughs> my father had a sister that we knew nothing about. Mm-hmm. And in getting to know her, she's like, hey, you know, your great grandmother died from breast cancer at age 34. I was like, what? Like, what do you mean? I said, I have to put this into my medical report because when I took my 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 genetic test, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. But then I also found out throughout my treatment that my father's mother, my grandmother, um, and let me just note this, my father's grandmother, my great grandmother was his father's mother. Now, my father's mother um, died from breast cancer, but I thought she had she had cancer, liver, of um, she had liver cancer. And I thought that she had liver cancer and it metastasized to her breast. She actually told me before she died that she had breast cancer. And I thought, again, I'm good because why? It, it came from her liver and it went up through her breast. Well, it, you know, a metastasized to her breast, mm-hmm. but that's not how breast cancer works. I, I learned that from, you know, getting genetic counseling and talking to my doctors about my medical history. So saying all that to say is that Number one, our mango is about dispelling myths. So learning about your family history, um, making sure that you're, you know, not believing things that you hear people say to you, like get facts and let those facts inform your decisions that you make about your own personal health care. And I say that because some people be like, well, like that, like, like you just said a moment ago, it's not in my family. I'm good. Okay. But you don't know everybody's, you know, family history because we don't talk about it. You don't know your whole family history until you get like a genetic test or something like that. You really don't know Mm -hmm. your family history. So you don't really know what you're, predisposed. So, so it's good to still do the monthly breast self-exams if you're afraid to get your mammograms. But most importantly, take a genetic test. You can take a genetic test at any point in time. This blood test, um, 23andMe has a swap, cheek swap thing you can do. <laughs> it's really easy, a blood test. So the second thing is, and this is leading right into this, is to get um, to do preventative health care. We mm-hmm. want to encourage you all to do preventative health care. So I kind of just spoke about that a moment ago, doing a monthly breast self-exams, getting a mammal if you're of age. And if you find something, when you do your monthly breast self-exam, your MSBEs, you go to the doctor mm-hmm. and you tell them that, hey, my my nipple is, you know, is I had a discharge. I'm in nipple. I don't have any kids or, you know, I'm not breastfeeding anymore. Why do I have this discharge? All of those things are symptoms and signs of cancer um, or could be something wrong. It may not be cancer. It could be something else. But needless to say, still go to the doctor and talk about that and then make sure that you until you feel comfortable with the results of your conversation with the doctor, keep going until you get the final result. To me, um, a biopsy is good. You know, it tells you something, but take it out if you can. Right. It should have a lump because you'll get a different test and it'll look at the whole lump and, and the tissue surrounding it to tell you what your true status is. Mm-hmm. So, And then also get a genetic test. That's the thing we want to encourage you to do. And the third thing that we do is we inform of resources. So Afropink is a grassroots organization. We work with other grassroots organizations to bring community events and community awareness to um, breast cancer. So we have a big, big block party that we do every year. Afropink's been around for two years. We had one last year. We had one scheduled for October 1st of this year, but it got rescheduled. And now we're going to have it on October 29th um, because we had to reschedule due to weather. It's an out, and we insisted that it must be in a community where our people are so that we can make sure that we're getting in. in and contacting and, and informing mm-hmm. the people that are our target audience. Um, and we also make sure that we 
you know, share information. Like a lot of people call me the moment they get diagnosed or their friends or loved ones get diagnosed. And if I don't have the answers, I can refer you to an organization that can help you um, and can give you the, the support that you need. So one of the things that we've done in this two years is I've built a, a community of other organizations that I work with that I can help you regardless of where you are. So we're here where it's a lot of other people who look like us out here fighting with us and making sure that we know that we are supported and we have services available to help us. Um, because this is, like I said, it was a very lonely journey going through this because I didn't know anybody else that had breast cancer at the time, mm-hmm. except for my cousin, but she was in Ecuador. She lives in Ecuador. And I didn't have anybody to really talk through my experience. But when the moment I started talking about all these other women came out of the woodworks, like we don't talk about that. I would never say you're so brave. I'm like, but you could just save someone's life, you know? Right. And then, um, but the last thing that we provided, we have a memo grant fund that we use to raise funds. We And we use that money to donate back to organizations that provide services to our community. For example, in our block party, last year was uh, was just a block party and we had a mammogram truck come up and we had free mammograms to the or to to the the people who came. This year we we changed it a little bit to be mammograms and genetics testing matters, Mm. right? Because this year we we have um, we're giving out genetic tests, but we're also going to have mammograms. Well, we may have, we're still trying to work that piece out because we had the mammogram truck scheduled for October 1st, but you know, this is breast cancer awareness month right. and they are all booked and we're praying that there's going to be a cancellation or something and we'll still have our mammo truck pull up. If not, we'll have a mammo drive in a different way. We'll have another organization there that'll help us get a mammograms to the people that need them because mm-hmm. you can get them free in the state of New York. Um, but we do that because we want to make sure we're providing resources, but we donate to those organizations so that they can continue to give free mammograms, right? Because it's, it costs money to run those trucks. It costs money to, to make sure the equipment is serviced. It costs money to have the radiologists on those trucks. Mm-hmm. We find organizations that are out here with us in the fight, regardless of their race, but they're here giving us the vital information that we need to save our lives. So that's what Afro Pink is all about. So I think I answered everything. Let me know if I No, you definitely did. And I think that, again, I think that the work is great because there is a lack of information, I think, in our communities. And it doesn't even matter, like, whether, you know, you're rich or poor, in a sense, when it it comes to the Black community, you know, you have, you know, people with multiple degrees who were just kind of like, wait, what? Yeah. I don't I don't understand. I don't get it. I don't, you know, I've never yeah. been told. Mm-hmm. Um and it's interesting because I remember a few years ago I was talking to a young woman who um had breast cancer and she was just like kind of the same thing, you know, didn't really have a lot of resources, a lot of places to go for her journey. But that one thing that she wished she saw was more representation, you yeah. know, when it comes to uh, commercials from different cancer societies, when it comes to the black community, because mm-hmm. it gives this false sense that black people don't get breast cancer. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So listen, so the statistics say, and again, I must say, I'm not a statistician. If that's the thing, I'm not a researcher. Mm-hmm. Um, however, and the information that that has come across my path is that black women are less likely to get breast cancer, but we're more likely to die from it, right? Mm-hmm. So that is because of the lack of there's healthcare disparities. That's one thing we have to talk about, right? And then there's also um you know, we don't go to the doctor or the doctors don't take our our aches and pains seriously, or we trust, you know, the things that we hear from our doctors and or right. our friends. Right. So we want to Afro Pink wants to change that because it's a 40 percent higher chance that black women have of dying from breast cancer than any other race. Right. Mm -hmm. So but saying all that to say representation is important. It is key that we have black women out there, black people out there, period, that show I I am the poster child. You're looking at somebody who was a early detected breast cancer survivor. Early detection saves lives. As cliche as it sounds, it's true. I am a living, breathing example of that because I was diagnosed as stage zero, not one time, two times, mm. because 
I went to the doctor regardless of what I believed because I, you know, medically, genetically, scientifically, whatever you want to say, it is <laughs> different than the things that you believe. So you never know. But the good thing is still go to the doctor, but make sure because I had a, a very important, I had my care team. I have a care team. You should have a care team um, that, 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 you know, that represents the different types of doctors that I, I need to see on an annual basis. And I, especially now since being diagnosed, but going back to the representation thing. So one of the things that Afropink does is if you go to our site, um, we have a monthly breast self-exam, um, section of the site that page on the site that basically has black people, you know, it's, it's an illustration, but you can see she has braids. He has, you know, curly or he has a beard. Um, but we want to make sure that to your point is like, when you go into the doctor's office and you see these pictures of, you know, uh, women on the posters on the wall or in the pamphlets, they're not black people. So we want to make sure that there are black people represented in it because it is something that's killing our women and men because men get breast cancer right. too. Not the same rate that women do. Cause I believe it's one in eight women get um, breast cancer. And it's like one in 1000 men or one in 833 men get um, breast cancer. Mm -hmm. And if you're black and you in there, you have, you know, you have a higher chance of dying than a right. white counterpart or any other race, I should say, because it's not just whites, whatever. So that thing is, is very important to representation there. So that's why we have events with other organizations that show, you know, I'm, you know, people look at me, they don't even know that I'm in my late forties, right? They look like, at me. I did not know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, girl. <laughs> that's what they said. It's their BDC. You already know what that is. Black girl crack. <laughs> so anyway, but saying all that to say is that, you know, I'm out here showing you that, you know, I did the work in spite of what I believed and I got detested, detected um, at stage zero. So we want the same thing for you. So get the key is getting diagnosed as early as possible. And yes, it is a very scary thing. I thought my life was over. I was literally walking down the street, openly wailing <laughs> when I found out because I heard nothing of it. She said breast. I had to go back and say, okay, now that I got myself together, can you tell me exactly what's going on? So mm -hmm. I know what I need to do. Um, but at the same time, it's I, I meet I met this woman on Sunday. I did an event at a church on Sunday. And we were talking about genetic testing, and she was like, I don't, I just don't want to know. I don't want to know. I was just like, girl, yeah. do you know that it, I know it's scary, but you can have a much, you can, you can know and still live and be happy. You know, mm -hmm. you know, you, your life will change. I'm not going to say that, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not easy. And I'm not going to say that it's, um, I'm going to say the other side of breast cancer, uh, being on the other side, you're totally different. Your whole life is different, right? If you wear it, Afro Pink is in, uh, in Essence Magazine, and I talk a lot about my life after breast cancer. And it's like, listen, I, like, I'm talking to you. I had like three hot flashes. <laughs> I saw my face sweating. You know, it, your body changes, you change. It is what it is, but I'm still alive and right. I'm still happy and I'm still making, I just wanted to, this has been one of the best years of my life. I can't ex explain it. But it keeps getting better. <laughs> so I, I was saying all this say is like, don't be afraid. You can save your life. You can save your children's life. You can save your children's children. You can save your brother and sister life. Take a genetic test and it will change everything. So. And I love that because, you know, you're you're so bubbly and you're so full of life. Right. And so people wouldn't even think that you've gone through something as as critical as that. Right. And so I think that, you know, although you're the, the poster child for the stage zero, I think you're the poster child also for like life after and what that looks like, because I can tell you that this, the ignorance is bliss mantra mm -hmm is mm -hmm. very, very prominent within our community. I could say even yeah. for myself, there have been times mm -hmm. where I'm like, I don't know if I want to actually go to this doctor's appointment because I don't want to hear what they might yeah. have to say. Mm -hmm. And so that's, you know, and this is not, you know, this happens amongst, you know, again, you know, whether you're educated, not educated, like it's just something that people, especially in our community, I think because of either our maybe mistrust of doctors or whatever it is, we just mm -hmm. prefer to just, you know what, I'm just going to live my days and not, not know. Um, mm -hmm. But I think what you said was key, you know, you can still know, beat it, fight it and have, you know, a better life, right. And have yeah. a good life. Yep. It's, even if I, I don't, I didn't tell this part of my story yet. I said I had a double mastectomy, a bilateral where I have both of my breasts cut off mm -hmm. and reconstructed with implants and a, a, a nipple and areola. It's a, it's funny to like, to, to think about it all, but it's a life changing, like, 
in my in my little blurb, in essence, I say that I I feel like I suffer from dysmorphia. I think that's what the term is. Mm-hmm. Where you, um, I may look one way in the mirror when I go home, and I take a picture. I'm like, who that that? Please do not post that picture. Like I just I look different than I normally do. Right. But you know, I'm I'm. It's a new normal that I'm taking each day <laughs> to embrace. Um, like this year, I finally said forget it. I was like very terrified to wear a bathing suit because it's just my body is just so weird to me. It, right. And um, but I did it. I did it. the first time I was really nervous. It was right after I had surgery. So I was super swollen. I was like, oh no, we're gonna mm-hmm. keep this wrap on. But in June, I went to Mexico and I just said, you know, I'm just gonna let it all hang out. This yes. is me. <laughs> and I just had the time of my life. That's why I said I just had such an incredible experience this year because it's all about you know, this, it is what it is. I believe it is what it is. I don't believe things happen by mistake. There's no coincidence. This is, it's part of my plan. I was supposed to be here for a reason to talk to you all. And I'm embracing who I am every single day. And I'm like things I couldn't wear before because my boobs are too big. Mm-hmm. I look fantastic. Now I found dresses that I still had tags on like, oh my God, this is so cute now, you know? So <laughs> I would have never worn a top like this because it'd be way out. So it's just all these things that there are some blessings in it as well. So, and other people that, that I've met that have survived cancers much later stages than me also are, they choose to live. They yeah. choose to live. They choose to enjoy the, the days that they have. They're more intentional. I'm more intentional about my time and the people that I spend my time with and you just become more intentional and life is just, it's a blessing every day to wake up and have another day. So I love that. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So I want to talk a little bit about the awareness piece in terms of, you know, the community at large, right? So those of us who, uh, you know, have not experienced, you know, breast cancer or cancers or anything like that. A lot of times, you know, when we think about raising awareness, when we think about these efforts, we want to see it as a collective. So, you know, mm-hmm. The survive, you know, our survivors, you know, are raising awareness. But we, you know, from the community, we want to be able to support our survivors. We want to be able to prevent others from ever, you know, either ever get, getting breast cancer, like you said, getting those screenings early on screenings, or if you know, if they are detected, detected as early as possible. We want to do our part in raising proper awareness. We don't want to just, you know, when. October comes, uh, you know, put on a a pin or wear a hat. We want to be able to really, you know, you know, be intentional with our, with our raising of awareness. So Mm -hmm. as somebody who is a survivor, who, as somebody who is an activist, an advocate has an organization that is providing awareness and resources, how can we from the community um, who, you know, may have no real connection, you know, to breast cancer, how can we really effectively and, you know, properly and intentionally raise awareness? Sure. So just sharing your story, like and participating in and coming out to the events, right? Because you hit something key, right? Cancer is diagnosed every day. And they have like, they can tell you how many cases of people who are diagnosed every single day. So it's a 365 day a year job, right? October is just, we're not, we're in the spotlight right now, but we really want to make sure this is a going well. So I have events outside of breast cancer awareness. Well, I have the most events in a month in in October because we want to really like, you know, capitalize while there's national attention on it. But at the same time, you know, we want to make sure there's something that's all year round. So if you um, want to be, you want to help and be a part of the awareness campaign, first of all, you know, do it like a, you know, you can do a story uh, on your Instagram and say, I did my monthly breast self exam, follow women who are in these organizations, follow Afro Pink, Afro Pink INC on Instagram. So you can get tips, um, talk to your family members and your friends, make sure they are, they are doing their member, uh, monthly breast self exams or monthly, um, uh, annual annual exams and taking a genetic test, take a genetic test. Like if you guys can take a genetic test and start the conversation around health mm-hmm. in your, uh, your family circle, your sister circle, your friend circle, those things show that you are buying into what it is that we're trying to do. And also with you sharing like, Hey, I took a genetic test today. I'm going to have a whole campaign. Africans going to have a whole campaign soon about joining the conversation about genetics. Right. Um, And if you participate in that and, you know, come to the events, 
post your, your stories. Like I took an, you know, I took my monthly breast self exam or mm-hmm. I found a lump, I got it removed and I, you know, I feel better. You can also join and be your own advocate for just, you know, ensuring that others are doing similar things so that they know that their health status, right? Um, what else can you do? Um, hey, if you have an organization and that you want to do a breast cancer awareness event, let us know. Afro Pink will be happy to partner with you. Um, we're doing a, a kickboxing event in November. We're going to do a spin event somewhere else. We're going to do a whole bunch of other things that are coming up because oh, we're doing a jewelry store, a sip and shop thing that we're doing today. Listen, people are joining the fight with us that don't have breast cancer, but want to make sure that, you know, they are doing their part in advocacy. So it's amazing. I did an event with New York Liberty. They um, called me just to have an event. It was like Breast Cancer Survivor Day back Mm -hmm. in June or July. I can't remember the the day, but we did that. We were there and I met other organizations who were going to be part of my event. So you can do your part, but also just say, hey, you know, I don't have breast cancer, but I'm doing my, I'm doing the work. Yeah. I'm healthy and I'm here to help. Um, yeah, you can do stuff like that. Oh, you know, and one thing that's cool is you can have a um, 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 a mammo party, like um, like a mammo, like you and your girlfriends can schedule mammograms when you get to the age of forty. Mm-hmm. Um, you can have like a little party. You, get, you walk and all can go get your mammograms together and then go out for like pedicures or to the spa or sip, you know, mm-hmm. brunch or something like that. So be, be creative with it, like, and do right. your. Party. Um, I love that. I love that. One thing I want to ask is with respect to advocacy, because we had talked about, you know, this 40, this 40 threshold um, for you to get mammograms and things like that. Mm -hmm. Is there any work being done on the, you know, on the, I don't know, legislative side and the advocacy happening to either lower this, you know, this age of 40 or to remove that age altogether because it's so you know again you know talking about my my experience you know going to having an order from a doctor going to the radiology center and then looking at me saying despite the order that you are not 40 years old and that they were essentially refusing to move forward with my mammogram Mm -hmm. and you know, for me, that was crazy. But just to think, like, is there something being done on the, on the I guess, the, the political side, the legislative side to reduce this number? You know, not that I am personally aware of, um, but it is something that Afropeak wants to get in front of because or be a part of because and I, I we spoke about, about this earlier. I want to start to gather the data around the number of women who are diagnosed under 40, because most of the women that I met, I was diagnosed in my 40s, but. Um, most of them that I've met were diagnosed in their thirties. I met women that are diagnosed in their twenties. I met us, um, I saw a story about somebody that was 14 who had breast cancer. Mm-hmm. So it is important and imperative that we start to gather this data and show that there is evidence that show that women under 40, it's an increasing number of women under 40 getting breast cancer and a mammogram can benefit them, especially after a lump has been found um, and the further testing needs to be done. Right. So um, that's one of the things that's on our agenda for, you know, for Afropink's agenda is to figure out how we can start the conversations, find that, you know, figure out how we can affect um, and change the legisl- legislation around um this age 40 requirement. I know that they do it because they want to. So I asked, I started asking the question, like, you know, you do the five whys, I do the five, like, why, why, why? We just keep asking why until you're kind of like at the end of. So you start to ask all these questions, like, why can't women get, you know, breast cancer, breast um, exam, I mean, mammograms, you know, under 40. And it was like, well, they want to limit the amount of radiation that you're exposed to because there is some radiation that you're exposed to, um, when you have a mammogram. And I think it was Ananda Lewis that said that she was against mammograms because of the amount of um, radiation mm. that you get. And then she showed that she had to get CAT scans instead. And she's like, the CAT scans are like the equivalent of like, it was like this, this number of like, she did like this thing where she was like a CAT scan, maybe like, you know, the, the radiation that you're exposed to in a CAT scan is the same thing as 
um, that's about equivalent to like over a hundred mammograms. Wow. So all the mammograms, and that, that may be, the number may be skewed a little bit because I don't remember exactly, but I remember watching her because she's a three, um, she's a breast cancer, a stage three breast cancer survivor. And she's going like a homeopathic route. Um, she didn't do chemo or any of that stuff. I don't know if, if I haven't been keeping up on when she first announced it, I was really interested in understanding more about her story. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting that, you know, she said, she said all the time I spent, you know, not getting these mammograms. Now I have to get C scan, a CAT scan that are, or whatever, some, some, some type of scan. I think it's a CAT scan and it's equivalent to like a hundred mammograms. It was some astronomical number. And I was like, wow. So she said, I'm saying to say that you should just get your mammogram. So, um, so anyway, if that's the reason why, um, women under the age is 40, then it should be our choice, right? We right. should, we, if we want to like, you know, find out that if we have breast cancer or not, especially considering the rate of occurrence among women that are under under the age of 40, we, it should be an option for us. So right. Pink wants to be on the forefront of those lines, trying to figure out how to get that number reduced or removed completely. The same thing with other cancers like colon cancer. They lowered it from 50 to 45. Okay. But still you got to be, in your, you got to be 45 to get colon cancer. Yeah. Right. Uh, Ch- uh, Chadwick died at, at 38 or 39. Right. Yeah. So come on, yeah. that's still well below 45. <laughs> So. Yeah, that's that's another cause that, you know, I'm uh, that's very near to me because my, my grandmother passed away of colon cancer and then my mother had colon cancer, but she's alive still. And mm-hmm. so, like, I had done the genetic testing that showed mm-hmm. that I had a pre I have a predisposition. So that informed how I, you know, how I move forward with eating certain foods that I stay away from. Yeah, certain things I need to that have I do. you. Mm-hmm. But it's but uh, one of my very good friends um, had a colon cancer diagnosis about six months ago, mm-hmm. and she's thirty six years old. See, and so thank God they were able. You know, she knew her body, mm-hmm. and she had doctors who listened to her pain, and mm-hmm. that ordered you know these uh, tests for her because you know one of her other doctors was like, "Well, you're you're thirty six. We're not giving you a colonoscopy." So she had to go back to another practitioner that was an advocate for her and mm-hmm. got the colonoscopy and found a massive tumor oh in her God. colon. And so had had she not been insistent on getting testing you know, she probably wouldn't be here today. So we hear these stories and it's, it's crazy to me. These, I don't want to say they're arbitrary numbers, but again, like you said, you know, people are dying in their Mm thirties, in their twenties, um, from cancers that could be preventable, you know, if we're able to get screenings, it's just a screening. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I, I really commend the work that Afro pink is doing in our community because it, there's just a, such a lack of information. And again, you know, the representation is not there. And so to see women like you who look like you, who are, you know, full of life, like you sharing (laughs) your story, I think it gives a lot of people one hope. And then I think it just opens up our eyes to show Mm -hmm. that anybody can, can essentially, you know, get cancer. Right. Mm -hmm. So I really, really commend the work that you're doing. And I thank Thank you for, for sharing your story and for just giving us, you know, more information. I'm sure people are now like, wow, I I tuned in and now I know so much more. Yes. um, Listen, our work, uh, I'll still have so much work to do. We've only been around for two years. Um, We're going to see where we are in five years next year. Like every year it keeps getting better. Um, we're getting more and more traction. I do need some more people to follow us. We're trying to get to at least a thousand followers. We're almost at 500, but then we need at least a thousand followers by the end of this year. So if you could take a moment to follow us at yes. Apple INC, that would be great. If you can want to know how to do a monthly breast self exam, whether you are a male or female, you can go to afropink.org slash M S. B E I'm sorry, monthly breast out M B S E. You can check us out there, but that's most importantly, cut, check out our, um, our socials and our, um, our website for events. We got an event today from two to four. You can sip and shop with us and Kendra Scott, um, 126 spring street today from two to four, or you can shop online, but check out the, the Apple pink ink. Um, and all the links are in our, in our, um, in our link tree. So check us out. 
Yes, definitely. Guys, we are following so many people on Instagram that give no value to <laughs> our lives, to our community. You mm-hmm. know, some you know, sometimes, you know, I have to catch myself like, you know, why am I following these people? <laughs> so when we have organizations that are for us, by us, that we, part. we need to follow. So it doesn't yeah. it doesn't take, you know, a long time. It takes a one second to type in Afro Pink Inc. on and Instagram. Yeah. And, you know, that again, you know, the numbers are important, right? Because we're talking about data. And yep. unfortunately, we're in a world that's driven by data. So numbers, you know, having followers matters when it comes to getting into certain doors. Yep. So, yes, please, you know, let's follow our sister. Let's help her continue the work that she's trying to do. Let's, you know, reach, let's, let's get past this 1000 mark. Yeah. So (laughs) amen. Let's do that. So we will, we will do our best here at our platform to help you reach that number as well too, by reposting and getting people to follow, to follow Afro pink. Oh, I got one other thing. We have our very first breast cancer walk on October 30th across the Brooklyn Bridge. You can register for it. It's free. I'm doing it in conjunction with this organization called Soka Run Festival. It's a Black Caribbean um, run club. I run. Well, I walk these days, but I, I run. I, I Running was one of my things I did during my um, my treatment plan. So, yes, come and join us for our very first breast cancer walk October 30th at 9 a.m. We're going to walk across or run across or walk, jog, run across the Brooklyn Bridge. It's going to be great. So hope to see you there. Yes, yes. And, and that information will also be on your website it's on, as well. It's on the website. So it's on the it's on the um, Afro Pink Inc. It's in our link tree. So I, we posted it, but you can also go on the link tree and register. So I'll repost again until we get there. Okay. So it'll great. be on the site shortly. Yes. So, so everyone, you see, when you follow on Instagram, you get this information, right? <laughs> you get this information. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh, man. So, Vina, I had such a great time talking to you today, and I definitely would love to have you back on here to talk more about the work that you're doing as, you know, you progress in this journey. Uh, But I want to just thank you for taking the time, you know, in this busy month of October, because I know this month is so busy for you um, to just, you know, take a moment and talk to our, our listeners about about breast cancer and how we can raise awareness. Yep. I would love to anytime. Let me know. All right, everyone. So thank you so much for tuning into another episode of According to RP on WJMS Media powered by Black Ivy Media. It's your girl, Rita Peer, your host. And as always, I will talk to you guys next week. You are listening to According to RP on WJMS Radio. About time you tuned in. Tune in each and every Sunday. I can't wait to come back. 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It's all online.